0: Well, we're gonna we're gonna get right into it. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be reading today uh, a passage out of uh, John chapter five. John chapter five. Um, this is a pa- a passage in the Bible that I, I believe probably many of you guys have read before, maybe studied before, or maybe you've heard somebody actually speak on this passage before. I I, I know myself. I've studied it a few times, I've spoke on it before, um, but it never ceases to amaze me that no matter how many times I read a scripture in the Bible, it always seems like God can just reveal something new to me every time I read it. I mean, do you agree? It's almost like uh, I will read something and then God will just shift my focus to something else in the passage that I never saw before and I can get like a, a fresh revelation that I never even saw there. Um, So I say that to say this, I really believe that today God is going to speak to each and every one of us today in this room. I I really believe it, Um, and and I'm excited to see uh, what he does. The Bible says that the word never comes back void, so that really takes the pressure off of me. If I just read scripture, and even if I don't say anything else, man, I've done my part. God's going to do something, right? Amen? All right. All right, so we're going to be reading out of John um, chapter 5. Just to give you guys a little context on this passage, uh, Jesus is is going to Jerusalem, and 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 there in Jerusalem, it says, outside by the sheep gates, this, this pool. And this pool in Ar- Aramaic is called uh, uh, Bethesda, okay? And Bethesda means house of mercy. And that's really what this pool was. Because this pool, at this pool, there was all the sick people would come and congregate at this pool. The blind, the lame, the deaf... The mute, right? The invalid, the paralyzed, everyone that was broken would come and, and, and congregate around this pool because there was no hospitals back in this day. I mean, this was their hospital. Matter of fact, there's a, a, there was a legend, and I say legend because it was in a, a later manuscript that actually isn't included in the Bible. That's why what you'll see in this passage, there is no verse 4 because that was a later manuscript. But what verse 4 said that was omitted, the, the, the legend of it was that an angel would come down from heaven and stir up the pool waters, and whoever got into that pool first, into the water first while it was being stirred, would be healed. Right, so this was the legend. This is why people would go there was to was to be healed. Um, So let's but but let's read it because I don't want to I don't want to give away the whole passage because it's a it's a good story. I I want you guys to read it with me. Uh, So it's it's John chapter five verse one. We're going to read out the NIV version just because I love the way that the NIV uh, words this. So uh, if you have your Bible apps on you, right at the top. Right where it says ESV, you can actually click that and change it to NIV and follow along with me. Uh, we also have in our programs notes. I would encourage you, if you could, open those up. Follow along with us. It will help you get a bigger mansion in heaven if you fill them out correct. No, no, it won't. No. But I would love for you to, to follow along with us. And if you're watching online, there is a note tab that you can follow along with us as well. So John chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1. Let's, let's all stand together as we uh, read God's Word. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. It's longer than I've been alive. It's a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition, in the same condition for a long time, he asked them, and let's all repeat this together, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else always goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Father, I just ask that this morning that you just put in my head and on my lips exactly what you want to say to your people today, Lord. Take anything that's in my mind right now that's not from you, that's from myself. Just take it out right now, Lord, and just put in exactly what you want to speak, Lord. Lord, we ask that, that, that Jesus is exalted and glorified with everything that happens on this stage, everything that happens in this place this morning, Lord. We give you all the praise. We want to see you today, Lord. In your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. <clears throat> the title of my message today is Shifting Our Focus. Shifting Our Focus. When I was, uh, when I was young, I-, I used to love these, these books. They-, they were called Magic Eye. Do, you- do any of you guys remember Magic Eyes before? Yeah, a couple of you? Okay, that's two more than last service and, and definitely two more than the service before. I-, I didn't know if it was like a main thing because some of the services, nobody said yes But uh, these Magic Eye books were so cool, and I I used to pick them up at at the book fairs that they'd have at our school, and me and my friends would try to do them. I'll show you an example of it. I think we have it, so you guys can see what I'm talking about. Yeah, this is what it looked like. It was like a a design like this. And what would happen in this is basically the, the whole object was is you would pick out a point, usually something in the middle, and you would focus in on that point, Right? And you would focus in and eventually as you brought the book away from your face, eventually some picture used to be able to pop out at you like a, like a dolphin or something, right? It would just, oh, can we bring it back up here? Oh, there we go. It's back up. Yeah, it, it, you would just focus on it and eventually it would just pop out. At you and, and I never could do it. I don't know if I just didn't have good focus or, or I couldn't cross my eyes, but my friends, they, they focused right in. They could always see the picture, but I love trying. I, I love something about it. I'm, I'm not going to ask any of you guys to, to try to solve this today because I, I just don't want to see a crowd of cross-eyed people. That would just be weird. Um, so we're not going to do that. But, but the whole point of it is, 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 is it was all about your focus, right? It was all about focusing right on that middle point. Eventually, you would see the picture come alive. And that's the thing about focus, right? Focus is powerful, right? Like what you choose to focus on in life will determine some of the decisions that you make. What you choose to focus on uh, will have a part in how you live your life. When you go to college or a university, right, and you pick out a major of something that you want to do for a career, right, you, 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 depending on what major you pick out determines what you're going to focus on. So if you're going to be a doctor, you would focus on medicine. Makes sense. Right? If you're going to be a teacher, you would focus on education, and if you're one of these college students that, uh, that goes to college and a year later you decide to change your major, right you 'd have to shift your focus to something else. Your focus is powerful. This is why tech companies like Google and social media companies like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, they have actually put together scientific algorithms that, 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 that show them when. They should post something, what time they should post something, what content they should post, d- depending on ads and, and, um, and commercials that are, that are going to get your attention, right? They know when to put something on their site that's going to catch your focus, and they know that it's powerful. They know that if they can catch your focus, man, it will, it will help you make decisions the way that they want you to d- decide things. If you look at our media today, our, 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 our media, our press, our politicians, right, they know how powerful your focus can be. This is why, and I read this story somewhere, that, that sometimes when there's breaking news, depending on what the story is, if, it, if the news breaks on Thursday or Friday, they'll actually hold it and not release it to you until Monday. Because they realize that on Friday, our focus is so much on what we're going to do this weekend that we won't focus in on the news that they want to break to us. So they'll wait till Monday, because I guess they assume most of us don't really focus on work, and that we're going to actually focus in on what they want to say. It's crazy. They know how powerful our focus is. And we all know that, that we can focus on good things in life, but we can also focus on the wrong things in life. And it can have consequences. And sometimes we can focus too much on something. Right? Like you can focus too much on your career and end up starting to neglect your family. We know it. We we, we also know that that you can focus on the wrong things in marriage and eventually your marriage can get rocky and tough. Right? Right? I'm not married myself, but I have a a good pastor friend that always tries to give me marital advice to get me prepared for when I do get married here. And one of the things he's said to me before is, Josh, when you get married, you have to choose what hill you're willing to die on. And what he is saying is, is don't focus on all the little things. Because if you sit there and focus on every little thing, man, you guys aren't going to make it. You have to choose what is worth me focusing on. What hell am I really, truly willing to die for? Because this is something I need to focus on. Right? I I, I have seen people before, and and, and we're all human, we all know this, we can get distracted very easily. There is many things in this world that can take our focus off of what we should be focusing on. I've seen people before, I've seen people lose marriages because they focus on the wrong thing, or shall I say, the wrong people. I've seen people lose financial stability, lose their careers, lose their jobs, lose their house because they were focused on the wrong thing and they they were focused too much on having fun and everything else started falling apart. Our focus is so, so powerful. And what we choose to focus on can either better our life or make it worse. And in this passage that we're reading here, we, we see this, this, this invalid man, this, this sick and broken man that Jesus is coming to because Jesus wants to heal him today. But not only heal him, first Jesus wants to shift his focus. Jesus knows how powerful our focus is. Look, look, look at verse 5. It says that the man had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years, he had been in the same condition for 38 years. Nothing changed in his life. Now, when I first read that, I'll be honest, I was like, wow, this guy has a resolve. Like this guy has faith that I have never seen before. 38 years of going back to the same place every single day, every week, having nothing change in your life and you still keep going back, like that's pretty amazing. But the more that I started to read the story, the more that I, I started to look at the context of the passage, and I started to see what the guy was saying, I started to realize, like, well, was it really that he was actually focused on getting better? Like that, was that really his focus? See, because in, in verse 3, it, 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 it kind of gives us a hint here. It says, it says that there was a great number of disabled people that used to lie at the same pool: the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And the more I started to look at that and think about it, I was like, was he really focused on getting better or was he more focused on maybe feeling better? Because how many people know that when you are in a tough situation in life, when you're suffering in life, right, sometimes what can make us feel better is being around other people that are suffering just as bad as we are. We're attracted to that. This is why gossip is so attractive. Let's be honest here, right? You're going through a tough situation. When you find out someone else is going through a situation just as bad as yours or worse, it can sometimes make you feel better. Oh, what's going on with Amber and John's marriage? What? He said what to her? I'm going to pray for them, okay? I'm going (laughs) to pray for them. And we say the right things, but let's be honest. In our hearts, we're like, whew. Boy, that made me feel better to know that they're going through something even worse in my marriage. Like, I'm going through a tough time. Theirs is even worse. And we start to feel better, right? We start to have a focus on on feeling better. And let me tell you something. This is the first point I want you guys to understand. Feeling better is not the same as getting better. Feelings are temporary. Boy, how many people know you can feel one way on a Sunday and by Tuesday you can feel completely the opposite again? And I look at this guy that came back to the same place being in the same condition over and over again and never actually having anything change in his life. And maybe he was just focused on feeling better. But, but the thing that starts to come to my mind is, is that thing that Einstein said of, of doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results. It's, it's called insanity, right? And I start to see this picture here of this man that, that where was his focus really? Like was it on feeling better? And I think I put it in your notes. Feeling is not the same as true healing if you're you're looking there. Like I believe sometimes we can do this with church. We can come to church with a focus of just feeling better. Right? I've had a tough week. I've done some things that I shouldn't have done. It'll just make me feel better if I go to church on Sunday. I'll just feel better about myself. Or we come in here, or we choose a church, or we come in here and we say, well, the music makes me feel better. I just love the music, and, and sometimes with the lights and the music going, I get a little emotional and brings a tear down, and it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. It just makes me feel good. Or we start to look at the pastor up here, and we're like, well, I just, I just like the messages because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good in here. What the pastor's saying makes me feel good. But as soon as the pastor says something that's convicting or that doesn't make me feel good, Mm-mm, I'm going to another church. I am out of here because I got to go somewhere that makes me feel good. Why? Because we are more focused on feeling better than actually truly getting better. And I'll be honest, I get scared about this, guys. I I, I do, I think about this, and I get nervous because I have now seen in the last few months, I've seen Christian leaders, people that have been in the faith for 20 years, one of them that wrote books, Christian books before, another one that wrote worship songs that we actually even worship to, Men men that were in the faith for 20 plus years, and all of a sudden they just walk away from the faith like it's nothing. And I wonder, where was their focus? Was their focus just on feeling better and just nothing ever changed in their life so now they just walked away from the faith? Because that's what scares me sometimes. What scares me about this generation of Christians is is that we will come to church week after week, year after year, 10 years, 20 years, 38 years with the focus of just feeling better and then eventually we look back 20 years later ago and we say, why am I still struggling with the same things? Why am I still struggling with the same addictions? Why do I still feel lonely inside? Why do I still feel broken inside? Why is my marriage still the same way? Because all we were focusing on the whole time was feeling better instead of actually truly getting better. Jesus wants to change us. He wants to do something in us. And so Jesus goes up to this man who has been coming here for 38 years and nothing has changed in his life. And Jesus wants to change his focus. And Jesus says to him, do do you want to get well? Not do you want to feel better. Do you want to actually get better? Do you want to get well? And, and, and look what the man says back to him. <clears throat> he says, I got no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else always gets in ahead of me. I got no friends. Nobody put me in the pool. I'm just a loner. And everyone else, they're just more talented than me. They're faster than me. they get in the pool before me. Right? Like when I, when I first read this... I, it's, it's kind of hard to not think, well, is the guy deaf too? I know he's an invalid, but is he, is he also deaf? Because it seems like a pretty simple question that Jesus asked. Do you want to get better? Yes? No? Pretty simple. One, one answer or not, right? But for some reason, this guy doesn't answer yes or no. He, he ends up talking about his situation. And I believe it's because this man was actually more focused on Jesus changing it than Jesus changing him right? And this is the first point that I want you guys to to get here. Jesus wants to shift our focus from external situations to our internal system. Jesus wants to change our focus from our external situations to our internal system, our heart. If I took a poll today, don't worry, I'm not gonna, because I'd be in the same boat as you, trust me. But if I was to take a poll today in this room, and I was to ask you, okay, Give me one thing, one thing in your life or one area in your life that you want to see breakthrough in. Give me one thing or one area in your life that you want to see Jesus move mightily and change in your life. I can almost guarantee you that 90%, and I'm probably being modest about 90%, probably closer to 99% of us would all come back with an answer about some situation or something or some person in our life. We'd say, Well, I want Jesus to change my marriage. I want Jesus to change my spouse. He doesn't treat me right. He doesn't love me right. He doesn't look at me right. I-, I-, I want Jesus to change my children because I can't even communicate with them anymore. They're, just, they're off their rocker. I, I want Jesus to, to bring me more friends. or I want Jesus to change my financial situation. I'm barely making ends meet. I want God to do something in that area of my life, right? It would always be something that we would come up with. And but this is the thing about Jesus that he knows because he knows how he created us, he could change anything in our situation, and if we haven't got well yet in here first, it's not gonna matter, yeah. he could give you the spouse of your dreams, literally. He could give you the spouse of your dreams that listens, that does everything you want them to do, but if he hasn't changed what's in here first, if he hasn't showed you how to love perfectly, if he hasn't showed you how to sacrifice for your spouse, it's not gonna matter who he gives you, you're just gonna be back in the same situation again. He realizes that he could give you a million dollars today he could take care of all your financial worries in an instant. But if he hasn't changed what's in your own heart first, you're just going to be right back in the same situation you were before. Amen. See, Jesus, changed. Jesus cares more about what's in here in our internal system than what's out here with our situation. And it's not like Jesus doesn't care about your situation. Like, I don't want you to think that if you're going through a health condition right now, you're going through a really tough time. It's not that Jesus doesn't care about your situation. But Jesus wants to get to the heart first. He cares about your heart more than anything else. Because without that being healed and right, it's not going to matter about anything else. And he always does this. He always gets to the heart of it. The, the interesting thing about this guy is, is because we can do this sometimes. Sometimes it's not just situations, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's not just a situation. If you look at this guy's excuses, it's not just, you know, my situation. It's, it's people don't come and help me get in the pool. People don't, people get there fast in me. They hold me back from my breakthrough, right? People, people. This guy's excuse is people. Sometimes we don't focus just on our situations, we focus on other people, let's be honest. We can compare ourselves with other people. I'll tell you an embarrassing story because I've said it the last two services, i gotta be, I got to make sure I'm, I'm the same throughout all services, so I'm going to tell you guys the embarrassing story too. So uh, four months ago, four or five months ago, back in May, I decided that I wanted to get in shape and I wanted to go to the gym. Yes, Pastor Tim's not the only one that wants to get in shape, okay? I do too. So, I decided, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. I want to work out. And I have a a buddy here that goes to Waters Church that was training with me. And I was like, all right, here we go. We're going to do this. I'm going to get in shape. And I remember getting to the gym, okay, getting right up to the glass doors, looking in on my very first day and seeing these three guys walk by with a tank top and cut off shirts, walk right by the door. And I looked in at them, and I instantly said, nope. Mm -mm, no I'm not here and I turned around and I walked right back to my car actually I might have pretended like I forgot my keys and just ran back to my car and I got out of there why because I was comparing myself to other people I was comparing my process and my stage in life to other people's stage in their process I don't know how long they've been working out for I don't know what their genetics are I don't know what their eating habits are, probably most likely way better than my eating habits, right? But in order for me to actually start the process, in order for me to see a breakthrough coming through, I couldn't focus anymore on what other people were and how good they were doing with their their working out. I had to focus on what what was going to happen in my life starting from this moment. And I really believe that there are some people in here this morning that I believe God wants to speak to right now and tell you he wants you to stop focusing on comparing yourself with other people. I really believe it. I really believe it. Maybe there's somebody in this room right now where you have just been comparing yourself with others and saying, well, they had a father figure in their life. They had a father that that was actually married to their mother, and so they had somebody to look up to. I've never had that in my life, so that's why I struggle with my marriage. That's why I struggle with raising my kids, right? And I believe God wants to tell you today that no, you have a heavenly father now, and he wants to teach you how to love. He wants to show you how to sacrifice for your spouse. And you have his word, and he wants to speak to you today. And he wants to show you how to raise your children in the Lord so that when they get older, they will not veer from him from the right or from the left, but they'll stay focused on Christ, He says, stop comparing yourself with other people. You're in your own process of sanctification that God is doing in your life. Maybe you're in this room right now and you're thinking, well, I just struggle with things. I struggle with addictive things. I struggle with things that other people don't struggle with. Like, they're just stronger in the faith, and, you know, and I look on their Instagram, I look on their Facebook, I look on their social media, and they're just always doing good in life. Okay, let me tell you something about that stupid social media thing, okay? It's really weird. I'm going to give you a little inside scoop. I know, I know you know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. For some weird reason, the iPhone was made to not actually pick up any struggles in somebody's life. It's really weird. Like the lens only takes the best moments of your life. I don't get it, just the way that Apple did it, right? But you need to understand that behind that lens, behind that facade that they put on social media and Facebook, there is struggles in their life. But stop worrying about that. Because God has fearfully and wonderfully made you. All right? He said He knit you in your mother's womb. That means He took time with you, He has perfected you, He has a purpose for you. He put you in the family that He put you in. He put you right here in North Attleboro at this moment, at this time, for a reason. He wants to do something in you. Do you want to get well today? Do you want to get well today? He says, stop comparing yourself with everyone else. You are in your own process right now with me. I don't care about your situation. I do. But if I don't fix this first, it's not going to matter about anything else. I want to fix you. I want to heal you. And Jesus always does this. He always He always does this. All throughout the Bible, he always cares more about the heart of a person than anything else. That always comes first to him. Matter of fact, right before this in chapter 4, right before this story, all right, Jesus met a woman that was... there's so many parallels and similarities between both these stories. It's like, wow, Je- this isn't the first time Jesus has heard this from somebody, right? Jesus is actually going through Samaria, right? Probably on his way to Jerusalem, okay, which we're reading now. But he's on his way through Samaria in, ver- in chapter 4, and he ends up getting to this well. And at this well is this Samaritan woman, okay? And she's she's been showing up at this well every day at noontime, because at noontime in the Middle East, let's be honest, it's really hot. No one else wants to go there at noontime. But she goes there at noontime because she doesn't want to see anybody because she's really embarrassed because little do most people know she has actually been married five times to five different men so she's very embarrassed and she's she doesn't and she's discouraged and she shows up at this well that Jesus just shows up at and Jesus looks at the Samaritan woman and he says he says uh he says can I have a drink he said I'm thirsty can I have a drink and guess what this woman says to him right it's a yes or no answer yes you want a drink no I, I can't get you a drink guess what she says to him she compares it she goes well you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan, and let's be honest, you're part of God's chosen people. We, we shouldn't be talking with each other. We shouldn't be, right? And she pulls the whole comparison thing. And guess what G- Jesus says this amazing line to her in verse 10? In verse he says, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Right? And guess what she says back? She says, well, you don't have a bucket, and this well, it's, it's pretty deep right? Again, focus on your situation. You don't have a bucket, and this well is super deep, and besides, she says, besides, 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 this is my ancestor Jacob's well. Do you really think you have something to offer me, Jesus, that's better than what this well can offer me, right? And I can just imagine Jesus thinking in his mind, listen, lady, I'm not talking about water anymore, but I'll put it in terms that, that you can understand, okay? And Jesus says, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life You know what he's saying to her? He's saying your entire life has been about chasing after something that you thought was going to fulfill you. You thought every single one of those men were going to fulfill that loneliness void in your heart. You thought that every single person that you were getting with was going to fulfill that void of self-worth that you had inside. But you kept getting thirsty again. Why? Because I am the living water that, and I want to fill you up today. I want to put my spirit in you and you will never be thirsty again. Not only will you be overwhelmed. Overflow, but you will overflow with joy out of yourselves. People will see it. So I'm the living water. You've been you've been chasing after this your whole life, and you keep coming back to the well. And now I want you to come to living water. And 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 this is our second point. Jesus wants to shift our focus from us trying to fulfill ourselves to the only one that truly can fulfill us, him. We all do this in one way, shape, or form. We, we're all guilty of this. <clears throat> Thinking that the next thing that this world has to offer is going to fulfill us. <clears throat> well, when I get my family out of this two-bedroom apartment and we get that house, whoo, we're going to be happy. Everything's going to be okay. That's it. I'm going to just be happy. I've been depressed lately, I'm gonna be happy then. Or singles in the room right now. When I get that husband or I get that wife, when I get that person in my life, I won't be lonely anymore. I'll be worth something now. That's all I gotta get. I just gotta get married to that person and then I'll be good and everything will be okay. Or maybe you're a married couple in the room right now and you've been trying and trying and trying to have kids and you've been thinking to yourself, if only we could just have a child, then things would be better, right? And all the other married couples with children could even tell you, no way is that true, right? But this is what we do. Oh, If I could get that new job, man, we're gonna just be financially stable and I'm gonna be happy all the time. And we keep going after these things thinking that it's gonna fulfill us in the end. And what Jesus says is, you can keep drinking from that well, but you're going to be thirsty again. Maybe you'll, get, maybe you'll quench your thirst for a little while. Yeah, you get that new house. It's exciting for the first month or two. But after about a couple months of playing mortgage payments and then having to do all the repairs in the house, you start saying to yourself, I guess I wasn't as happy as I thought I was going to be from this house. Or you get married to that man or that woman and you put all your stock, all your identity in them. And then you get married and all of a sudden for the first few months you feel excited, you don't feel lonely anymore. But then the newness starts to wear off and you start to realize, I'm still struggling with loneliness. I'm still struggling with depression. Why is this person not curing that? Because they were never made to. Because our God in heaven created us for his glory, for his purposes. And only he can fulfill that void in us that we've been trying to search for. Only he can. And Jesus says, you can do those things. You can go after those things. But I'm telling you, you're just going to be thirsty again. But what I have for you, let me put my spirit inside you. Let me heal you. Do you want to get well today? Let me heal you. And let me tell you, you will overflow. And you will be filled with the joy that you've been searching for. This guy has been coming to this pool for 38 years. Years, never changing, scratching, clawing, crawling, I gotta get to that water. I gotta get to that pool. Once I get to that pool, everything's gonna be better. That's gonna fulfill me. I'm not gonna be broken anymore. I'll be healed. I'll be, I I I won't be sick anymore. I'll be happy. I'll be fulfilled, right? Scratching, clawing, trying to get to that water, trying to get to that pool, trying to get healed, thinking it's gonna fulfill him, thinking it's gonna fulfill him. And he's doing this year after year. And then instantly, in one encounter with Jesus, the living water comes to him. And he is healed in that moment healed in that moment because the only one that could truly fulfill him was Jesus Jesus wants us to focus on him he's the only one that's going to fulfill us and what Jesus says to this man is is awesome John 5 8 and 9 Jesus says to him get up, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And it says in verse nine, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. I love that ending. It's awesome. I just, I just wish it was worded a little differently. See, and, and, and my... In my mind, I wish it would have said, and Jesus instantly cured the man and then said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Because in my mind, that's a lot easier. God, do something in me first. Do something here first. Heal me first, and then I'll trust you. God, change my family first. Change my marriage first. Then I'll start trusting you, and I'll start living for you. God, do something in my life first, and then I'll start living for you. But that's not what God said. That's not what Jesus said. And this is our last point that I want you to get. Jesus wants to shift our focus from sitting and waiting to moving and trusting. See, I don't want you to get it twisted. I don't want you to think that what Jesus is saying in this verse is, get up, walk, do something first. got to do good things, and then I'll heal you. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's called religion. That's not a relationship with Christ. No, Jesus says, I am mercy, I am grace, and I already did the work for you. You don't have to worry about getting up and doing the work. I've already done it for you. What Jesus is saying here is, do you trust me? So that's all I'm asking for. Do you trust me? Get up. Do you have faith in me? Watch what I'll do in your life when you trust me, when you focus on me. And I believe there's people in this room right now where maybe God has put on your heart to start a ministry or to start an outreach program, but it would take a lot of changes in your life and, and, and you've been sitting there thinking, eh, well, God, give me confirmation first. Give me confirmation 100% and then I'll go and do it. Okay, let me tell you something about confirmation, all right? I have never once in my life had God 100% confirmed anything in my heart. He hasn't. He's confirmed things, but not 100%. Maybe, maybe you have, and that's, God bless you, I'd love to hear the story. See, I, I, I believe that that wouldn't take any faith. If God gave you, if God came down and spoke to me and gave me 100% confirmation instantly where I didn't have to have any faith, that's not trusting. See, if I even get 40% confirmation in my heart, like, Lord, I, I feel like you're pulling me this way, man, I'm moving on it. I ain't sitting and waiting. Because I know that when I get up, when I move, man, that's when the miracle's gonna happen. And how do I know God's confirming something in my heart? Does it line up with the word of God? Does it line up in here? Does it fit God's character? Yeah, it does. All right, Lord, I'm trusting, let's go. I'm getting up today. Do you wanna get well? And I don't wanna just feel better. I don't wanna come here for 10 years and just feel better. Man, I want life change, and I know it's going to start in here. So God, that selfishness, help me today with it. God, that loneliness, that discouragement, help me with it today. I want to get better today. Do you want to get better?